Hello and welcome to Public Access America. This is just the tip. How about you, Marco? You got any just the tips for us? Um, well, I'll give you some of my grandmother's ancient wisdom. I love grandmother. She said, um, if you want to be a good person, you have to do a good deed every day, no matter how small it is. So try doing that. I love that. I'm going to say eat some chicken or eat some eggs and then go and listen to Audio Pong, the podcast you can find on Spotify and Apple and anywhere else you find your favorite podcast. And now you can find Marco here on Public Access America. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I hope we can do this again. I look forward to the next one. Definitely. We're going to bring in different perspectives and have these conversations all over again. That's what I love doing. It's fantastic. Just a tip, just a tip, just a tip, just a tip. Thank you. It is time now for something positive. We might be headed to the promised land the of promised speaking land, the truth the and finding our external liberty once we internally liberate ourselves. Problem can only be solved. When there is a kind of coalition of conscience, of conscience, because conscience. that is how it works. This is the beginning. It is not the finale, and that's why we're here, and that's why we rally, 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 rally. We've got to be that creative minority. Creative minority. Creative minority. Find a way to get in the way. I got in trouble. It was good trouble. It was necessary trouble. Frankly, I know we've got to do something. And we're back. That's how easy that is. <laughs> Fantastic. So we can keep nice. talking about the same subjects, but I have a very interesting thought experiment I want to throw into the mix. And then I want to ask Jeffrey about something that happened this week. Is that okay? Absolutely. All right. So we're going to imagine that a violinist falls into a coma and the, uh, the music industry, the music community, decides that this violinist can only survive if they're attached to somebody else for nine months. And during the night, the music community comes into your bedroom and attaches this violinist to you. And you wake up. Is it right? Is it wrong? This is this is an interesting one, and yeah, I just wanted. I'm going to go with like, think of it. You don't have to answer. I just wanted people. And then Jeffrey, if you want to go on and, and can you tell me what the fuck happened with Judge Alito's opinion? Can 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 right. they well, just let's... say nah uh and get away with it legally? So all of that in one, and then I'm going to let you guys speak while I step away for a second, if that's okay. So so I'm going to go back to the the thought experiment, just because I. This is a really interesting one, and it has a lot of connotations well beyond just this this you know idea that you can attach a violinist to a person and that they live. Medically, we have the ability to keep people alive damn near indefinitely, which just the reality is 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 that our cells entropy, our our marrow entropies, and eventually we cannot replace those cells now. We've found out that there is there there is a way, and what's crazy is is that it's it's frightening what you could actually do, and that you could actually reverse aging by implanting bone marrow from a child into uh, an adult, because that fresh bone marrow allows a person to regenerate newer, younger cells. You can effectively age backwards uh, by doing that. Now you want to talk about ethics and morals, that's pretty fucked up. Uh, and I don't think that there's any way that you can convince me otherwise. But to go back to having to attach to a person, it's a quality of life issue. And I think this is quality of life is a huge issue when it comes to everyday people. Now, growing up on a farm, you're surrounded by death, whether or not you want to think about it, whether or not you want to view it. You have animals that you're selling to be slaughtered. You have animals that get sick and die. You have animals that are predated. You have animals that grow old 
and live happy and healthy lives from one from one end to the other and that's the end of it you know for me when i look at this i see a quality of life issue you know much like you know one day my dog's going to get old and if i'm lucky you know i will get to help them pass as peacefully as possible but the reality is 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 that most people most animals their life is a rather violent end because it's usually you know your heart stops your lungs give out your organs explode and you meet a very painful demise not all of us get to say you know what i'm going to sleep and uh if there's another side i'll see you when i'm there in this way what you are doing is you're keeping a life alive for selfish reasons not keeping a life alive because they want to be kept alive and that selfishness is what prolongs suffering well i think quality of life is definitely where we we uh sort of hang our shirt in the argument because um i'm the type of person i would agree actually first of all with most of what you said i think the quality of life is what needs to be considered um i also think it's important to be rational about what the limits of quality of life can be i think uh, it's treated as sort of limitless as if uh there's just this utopia that we could grant each other somehow but there aren't there's peaks and valleys to quality and we certainly can't reach the peaks but we seem to be convinced we can because we seem to hit the valleys quite easily but that said um it's something it's where I I usually argue, like even in the the pro-choice or in the abortion debate, is that it seems often enough to me that the quality of life of the mother isn't even taken into account. Everything is everybody's thinking about the, the 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 soldier that could be, the voter that could be, the uh, you know the the orphan that could be, even though somehow that is automatically equitable. But I don't think it is, and I think that. I agree. I think it's a very selfish thing because I also think what it, you know, quality of life. What is a person? What does it mean to be a person? What does it What does it take to be a, a, a functioning person? You know. Yeah. Um, someone made the an argument once. I forget the scientist's name. He's like, you know, we believe we can prove um, mental damage. So if you you know if you suffer a concussion or you're born with a disability, it may. It may be permanent until you die or even get worse and so we know that the brain can be damaged in so many ways that are irreversible and yet at death that is all somehow repaired and we have we can now fully function our, our consciousness again that's a wonderful thought um if it was true somehow or we could prove it i think that would of course change the argument but we have to live with the evidence that we do have and yeah the quality of life needs to be considered so it does I mean, does that mean, well, then, hey, do you agree with, you know, some, you know, what level of euthanization do you agree with? Like, how far can it go? Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I think even a person who suffers, um, and you all remember Dr. Kevorkian, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I don't think that what he did was unethical. Maybe, maybe in part, it could be argued uh, because he was the first, you know, uh, celebrity of, of that type of, let's call it science um, or ethics. But I do agree that even because uh, I, I believe in, in in that level of liberty that the individual should have. Uh, I don't think you should be able to kill yourself because you don't, you know, it was Orange Tuesday instead of pineapple. But you should have a control over the level of your quality of life when it comes to the amount of suffering that you have to manage that that you have no control over. At which point, the only control is death. Uh, if you want to look at it that way, which I do, and I think that can be applied even to unborn life. Mm -hmm. Great. having uh, having been suicidal in my youth you know i would say that in my youth i probably would have said absolutely you know let me choose to die when i want to die but having gotten better uh, i wouldn't say fully i mean i have my mental health issues still it's you know I'm, I'm just i'm not suicidal anymore and and i have my good days and my bad days there are certain lines and limits but at the same time too i also understand that you know having lost a friend that they didn't want the doctors they didn't want the medication they didn't want the friends they didn't want the therapy they didn't want you know the commitment to a psycho uh, a, a psycho ward um 
the reality of when a person chooses that it's done is really tough on everybody else, but it's not tough for the individual if they're there. Um, if you have paid attention to the news, there's a, a 22 year old cheerleader. I forget where she was out of um, who just ended her life and she, she couldn't, she just couldn't do it anymore. And to me, the biggest crime in this isn't, you know, people tried. And, and I mean, this is the reality that everybody needs to understand. Yes, do what you can to keep your friends alive. But at some point, you know, there is a pain that we're all going to feel when that life separates from us and we view it as not their time. And unfortunately, without knowing how, how this individual took their life, I can only assume that it was violently because there are very few peaceful means for someone to pass on on their own uh, without violent help, be it medications or, you know, firearms. What makes, what makes this difficult is, is that the people around her are suffering because they didn't see it as her time to go. And, you know, you think about it, 22 years old is, you know, with, with no other, you know, no terminal cancers, organ failures, things like that. It's really tough to understand the concept that this person just was done. They couldn't do it anymore. Well, I think the worst thing about depression is not that you feel bad, but that you have hope you won't. Right. And it's that lingering that, uh, that poisons you. Uh, yeah, I can relate. Um, and I agree. I think that it only goes back to what you talked about or what we talked about earlier about perception. Um, uh, that's what essentially I think we're trying to do when we try to help someone is change their perception. Uh, mm-hmm. you can't, you can't do anything if you don't, if they don't perceive things differently, as far as I'm concerned. You can't. And, and it, a therapist told me once, once when I was going through therapy because of my own issues. And once when I was going through therapy after a friend that I lived with for four years took his life, you can't help someone who doesn't want the help. And that was the difference. I didn't want to kill myself. Realistically, I did not want to do it. I just, you know, like you said, there was the hope that I wouldn't feel anything. Uh, it wouldn't feel bad anymore you don't want to take away the option in the conversation in the thought experiment you know and and so when when i finally found that i could feel a different way absolutely i wasn't ready to give up on on being alive but for that person for that person who my dog's barking (laughs) but for that person who uh, who can't see that, who can't find that, who's, who either has tried everything or is completely unwilling to, you know, what do you do? It's, it's, you know, this is a tough one. It's not like somebody who's terminal and they're, it's like, look, I'm either going to die violently on my own, you know, or I'm going to die peacefully on my own accord. And that's what makes this so difficult, you know, and then you have the existential question of, does a person with depression, you know, is that the ultimate fate that we, we don't want to believe that a person who is struggling that badly is going to die violently on their own, much like somebody who has a heart attack or organ failure or cancer, because we want to think that we can change a person's mind in some way, shape or form, whether it's cancer, you know, whether it's, whether it's uh, therapy, whether it's, you know, medication, if there's a chemical imbalance or if there's, you know, something physically wrong, that's causing this issue. You know, we want to think that there's some way that we can change that. Sure. We hope there's, we always want a magic wand if we can get it. Um, but it's just not the case. I wrote a book once on, um, toxicity, um, as it relates to, uh, our relations with people in our lives. And I, I think I think it relates to your thought experiment here because the level of sacrifice we make is dependent, uh, according to this author, on the amount of time we invest our emotions into someone else. And so you can reach a point where you quite literally uh, care more about someone else 
than you do mm-hmm. yourself. And it's very easy uh, to use myself as an example. What I struggled with um, through most of my life was liking myself. It was very difficult. I, you know, it was very easy for me to jump in front of a bullet, let's say, for somebody else, like right. a stranger. But I had no care for my own, and it mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily always a um, degradation. Like I didn't beat myself up over over it, but I certainly did sometimes. And discovering discovering a way to like yourself, man, that is like a brand new day. That that changes everything, mm-hmm. and that's usually what I think I'm trying to do now. If if or that you don't, or that you reason. don't have to hate yourself before other people discover why they should hate you, right? Like, you, well, even that, you yeah, see, you it's see funny your, you mentioned you that. see your flaws, and we know other people are going to see them too and judge us for them. So we want to like knock our self self esteem down to prepare for that, but it never happens because people don't see their our flaws necessarily as flaws, you know. Well, most people don't care, right? right. You tell yourself right. that they just don't give a shit. Right. So it's <laughs> right. Get over yourself. We used to have a cone. When I worked in construction with this mini, like, you know, safety cone on the dashboard. Yeah. And I used to keep it there. And I would tell my boss, he said, that's, uh, that's our therapist. And so his boss one day said, he said, what the hell is that? I said, that's our therapist. He's like, what do you mean? I said, well, when you're having a bad day, you shout at the cone, you, <laughs> you tell, you know, you complain, you you know, you get all that, all your angst out. Mm-hmm. And I said, eventually you reach a point where you feel silly because you're shouting at a cone. Then you get over yourself and you're fine. Right. He said, oh, I need a cone. <laughs> mm-hmm absolutely and and that's the thing is is like every we all we we learn to develop tools mm-hmm. in various different ways you know for me it's anything from baking and playing music to you know sometimes i just really get trapped in my own head and i just have to fucking muscle through it you know and i have to it's like you know yeah. what you're feeling is stupid is it really though well why do you feel that it's stupid what are you really feeling what's actually happening and for saying. people who haven't people who haven't had the time or the ability or the resources to learn those tools Mm -hmm. are going to struggle more than if they had heard, for example, having a cone on your dashboard. Well, people have always been told to muscle through it and not to lean into it. But once we lean into it, like I said, we examine it for what it is. Like what Marco just said about the cone, you're yelling at a cone. Once we start analyzing the depression we're in we're like there's nothing fundamentally analytically correct about this there's there's no rationale for the depression i'm in and so it you still feel that but it happens less because you're you go into an analytical perspective about a depression for me like i had i used to have anxiety attacks but i learned to like think about what i was going to cook divert my my attention while still analyzing the situation. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. that's, that's how I normalized it. It was sure. like, it's like, is that a ghost? That might be a ghost. That's not a ghost. It's a shadow. Is it a shadow? Why is there a shadow? It's a light. I thought about it. There's no ghost. I'm not scared. Right. Well, the mind hates wasting time. So once you mm-hmm. reach that point, once you convince your, your mind that you're wasting time, it's, it's out. Right. That, the problems mm-hmm. just go away. Right. But the, yeah. I think what was interesting about that thought experiment was that, yes, there is a right to life, but that life isn't necessarily entitled to the means of survival, right? Like, like Marco, mm-hmm. you said something very important to me and it's kind of the track I wanted to go on was when did we stop thinking about the mother who constitutionally mm-hmm. has this word life in the constitution protecting who was a person first protecting them yeah. and currently is what i know is life isn't exactly life until 20 weeks so we have that time we never had a debate about when life is life and i'm happy to have that life that this debate at some point judge alito bypassed that but what i what i'm it's just there's a separation the mom has a right too right to liberty liberty is like not being oppressed and so we 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 deserve options that contain abortion just like we contain nose jobs and boob jobs and abortions these are things that we shouldn't be oppressed with if we want to fix our lives or change our lives it's in our power to do that right and then the pursuit of happiness those are the three judge alito said abortion isn't in the constitution and i think it is when it says life liberty and the pursuit of happiness yeah i mean definition that's open-ended i also think that um 
as far as well, I lost my thought. Sorry about that. <laughs> I just no. What you said was profound, and I, I wanted to, I wanted to, because uh, I, I totally agree with what you just said, and I wanted to point out the fact that, um, no, I you lost the thought. It. That's what we're here. We're for thought. Yeah, right? it'll come back around. I just think once you determine that the fetus is alive, then it's not the mother's responsibility necessarily to keep it alive. It's for whoever wants to keep it alive to keep it alive if they want to keep it alive. But oh, oh now you remind me what I was going to say. I suspect that it's less about ethics and and more about politics and economics. Mm -hmm. Really, when you get down to it, because population control is a, that's a really big topic. It's probably just as buried right. as economics and they go hand in hand and i'm definitely not smart enough to really be analytical about it but that's my suspicion my conspiracy is that it, it has very little maybe in fact to do with the emotional uh, bondage of life and more to do with what that life can produce if it is allowed to grow okay like um, so, black and brown people disproportionately suffer more during abortions than white people do. So we're going to race to the bottom and hope the white people survive. I'm not <laughs> sure I understood that. Yeah, that, yeah. I, I didn't get that. Well, what do you mean? Black and black and brown women suffer more deaths during pregnancy than white women. So if we eliminate abortion, even in the terms of a mother's rights, then more black people will die if we get rid of abortion than white women. So it'll be a race to see who dies faster. Is that because, what is the cause of that though? Is that because more black women are impoverished or at a level of life where yeah. they have less access? Like no, yeah. globally, or is that more of a Western society statistic? It's an American thing for sure. Uh -huh. And I, a lot of doctors are taught to dismiss most pain, you know, and so they just dismiss black people strangely more than others. It's documented, and I still don't know quite why it would be that a black doctor would dismiss a black woman's pain more than a white woman's, you know? But we've talked about it, that. It's, it, it's, a, it's it, like the whole, the whole discussion is really interesting, and I, and I wish I had more information yeah. to be able to, to, to talk about that we will but, we will get some more information and talk about that in a show but can you talk about did you read judge alito's opinion at all is there anything like legally valid in there that we can start to discuss or was it all Here, religious and youth you eugenics here is here's the problem oh, with thank you much so much like the way unfortunately gay marriage is what was decided um abortion rights are decided in the same way mm. you didn't have the right until the supreme court ruled in a very narrow and very specific manner that you you did have a right the problem is is, is that as cases come up and as new modalities come up those modalities can challenge the overall ruling so this is where I have my greatest concerns, having worked in the legal world. The problem with any law, the problem with any ruling, is, is that it is in effect until it is nullified by the Supreme Court. Oftentimes we think of the Supreme Court as, oh, well, if they've ruled on a case, then it's absolutely settled. The problem is, is, is that people are very much blind to the fact that just because the Supreme Court rules on something, that doesn't mean that they can't turn around and rule on it in the uh, in an inverse later. Um, I mean, you look at slavery, slavery was constitutionally legal, and it took a lot in order to get slavery to be illegal. But even then, constitutionally speaking, it actually is still legal, whether people want to admit it or not, and it's part of the 13th Amendment. So you have that to consider. With this ruling, essentially what they said was is that the grounds in which it was decided was beyond government reach. And the way that they, and basically you have to understand the way in which, you know, uh, Roe versus Wade or uh, Planned Parenthood versus Casey was decided was is that in a very narrow window, they said, yes, 
it is not, you know, government is not to create an undue burden on is what the ruling really was. The problem is, is, is that the government left it vague. They left it very vague. So what you have seen are a number of different challenges to those laws. What does an, what does an undue burden constitute? And what you're seeing in this ruling is, is that because it, the way that they're trying to push that is, is that, you know, what each state can define as an undue burden should be considered, not what the feds should consider it as. And I happen to disagree with this, even though I'm very much a person who believes that, you know, there's a lot of things that states should be able to decide for themselves. The problem is, is that this is something that stems beyond a state. And I believe that it needs to be a, a, a federal law. Part of the constitution, so, right? Like an amendment to the constitution. I've, yeah, something, something to I, that effect. Ideally, if not a law, if not a law that can be overturned by a Senate majority later, you know? Right. And the problem, but the problem you're going to have with a law like that is, is that you will never get enough to get a constitutional amendment. No, you need 37 states. And right now there's only 22 that would uphold abortion rights. Yep. And so that's, and that's the problem. And essentially is, is that what people viewed as settled law, when you have 26 states on the books that will actively ban it, you wouldn't even have enough to prove its constitutionality based on what states are doing. I happen to disagree vehemently with that. But what I also happen to disagree with is the method in which we try to create these laws. Um, and this is something that Jason, you and I have talked about before, but I do believe that in certain cases it requires direct democracy, i.e. the American public should be voting on this. Yes. And it shouldn't be up to the state. It shouldn't be up to uh, our, the House of Reps. It shouldn't be up to the Senate. It shouldn't be up to the president. It shouldn't be up to the Supreme Court. If the majority of Americans, and, and in a case like this, I would say two-thirds. Right. If two-thirds of Americans said abortion needs to be legal and accessible on a federal level, then it would give, it would not give way for Supreme Court justices or um, politics, the president or the House or the Senate or even states to argue whether or not this is legal. Right. This is the will of the people and you cannot ignore it. And so that is one of our biggest problems I see fundamentally with our democracy is, is that we vote for we vote for representatives, we vote for senators, we vote for presidents, we don't vote for justices necessarily, we vote for them by proxy. Right. But we do not vote on major issues that impact Americans directly. And I think that is problematic. And I think that is one reason why not only are you seeing a challenge like this to Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey, but you're going to see this prop up again with uh gay marriage you're yep i mean texas is already looking at a way to i mean quote unquote subtle laws is that you know children of immigrants are to be educated in the american system they're already challenging that and so the thing is is, is that all it takes is a specific a specific enough case to completely overturn something that was consider considered settled law. And we've seen this happen in good ways, but also in bad ways too. Yeah. Every time we win, they, they see it as a law. Well, it, how do we escape tribalism? Right. I mean, that's what, that's that what we're crafted. trying to get past is the tribalism to a consensus. Opinion. Well, do we want to escape tribalism though? I mean, you could argue that many aspects of tribalism are conservative and therefore they protect things that don't change right points of view or mm -hmm. or even perceptions of reality or science let's say um i get that i can understand that um you mentioned director democracy to me that's a really slippery slope from again my amateur point of view um i don't think there's a lot of good things that I've heard about that or read about that having at one time being a historic, a history buff. Uh, I'm trying to give like good example, but unfortunately 
I can't. Yeah, there's a lot of state experience. referendums, like um, yeah, you know, in it California, just seems like, yeah. the gay, the you can get gay married if you're gay law, and all of that. Those were referendums in states, but I don't know any national referendum that's well i wonder too like does every does every but i love the idea but how would you word it because the referendum would become law so you would have to tailor it who would tailor that and well that's just that's what i was going to get it was like when it comes to um civil liberties i mean uh, for my just to give you an example like i think nothing is more important than free speech i think everything mm -hmm. depends on free speech that is the, the the core of liberty um so to me, that is a liberty that should be defended federally, nationwide. Mm -hmm. um, perhaps, I mean, really, I believe globally. But uh, mm -hmm. maybe there, maybe, and this is kind of devil's advocate, but maybe there are liberties that are defended more locally at a state level. Because I feel like we operate more, there's a term feudal oligarchy. And I think we operate, really, that's what mm -hmm. I, I see our society as, is a feudal oligarchy, not really a democracy or, or even a republic. Because it is, mm -hmm. I mean, the, the, the kings of gold, let's say, um, I'm getting, you know, analogical, but the kings of gold, you know, they make the rules. So that they, They're the ones that create the pressure that we have to live in. Right. They also are responsible for managing our society, whether we want them to do it or not, they are doing it. So you could say the world is run by villains, but it is the villains that are keeping things together too. So I don't know really where I stand when it comes to things like, well, first of all, morally, I, you know, marry who you want. I, I, again, if, if you want to <laughs> bathe in olive oil and watch Mister Rogers backwards, I don't care. That doesn't hurt anybody. But uh, your your pursuit of happiness, I think, to some federal level, yeah, that to some federal level should be defended. I mean, at least you mm -hmm. should be allowed to do things that don't harm others. Right. You want to get have a gay marriage? Great. Right. You know, you want to maybe two transgender people want to. I don't know. Maybe they want to switch back and forth depending on the, you know, what decade it is and then get married. I don't care. That doesn't, I think that's fine. Um, as long as there's mutual consent involved, somebody can't marry an right. animal or a child because there's no consent. And here is, and here is where things get fun. All right. Let's talk about consent because this is, this is going to be fun. Who do we, who do we say is capable of giving consent? To what? Can you well, define that? Yeah, who, that, that is an important question, in, right? In what situation? Who is who is in any situation, it doesn't matter. Who is capable of giving consent? Well, in, in terms of abortion or or the in terms of pro-life. Just, just pro in general. Just in general. Well, we decide that, that we, we decide our we decide what what and who and when is allowed. Legally, to what is legally right. though, what is the definition of consent? Oh, I don't know the legal definition of consent. So the legal definition of consent is anybody over the age of 18 that has their mental faculties that is capable and unhindered to give consent or confirm a transaction. So who can give consent? At 17, you <laughs> cannot give consent. But at 18, you can. At unless, 17, unless, you if can't. You're, if you're... Nope. If you're no, nope. you said if you have your mental capabilities and you can consent. No, nope. yes, nope. 18 plus 18 and this mentally 18. disabled. This is legal, consent. exactly. So they don't have their mental faculties exactly. if they're 18 or older. But at 17, for example, you cannot consent, right? Even now, if states have come up with different states have come up with different ways around that for different things Ew, why? you can consent to different things like for example you can't get beer and cigarettes but you can definitely you know have sex with a 30 year old man at the age of 14 oh. looking at you arkansas Gross. so how does that make any sense so if if children can't give consent like in a legal courts you can't sign contracts right you can't you can't do any number of things of you legally cannot consent right so now let's look at what abortion looks like in terms of consent. You have one party who is not consenting. Right. So why is it okay to violate their consent? Well, I think that's, you I would have said to, it, that's you the have problem. To, There's two parties. That's the real problem. But even still, it doesn't matter if, if one party consents and the other party doesn't, that's not consent true that's not consent 
if we were a nation solely of party and not of people, like at some point, well, like popular well, I'm, opinion. When I say party, to... I'm I'm talking I'm talking I'm talking individuals. I'm talking legal what the legal definition of parties, not not the political definition of parties. So one person consents, one person doesn't. It doesn't matter. There's no consent. That would you know, if 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 you could rule based on that logic alone, rape wouldn't exist, for example, because one party consented. Well, so I, unfortunately, some people wow. that is how they you took that. exactly you you lost now, me all the way until the end of that. Now I'm just intrigued. But a woman's going to get an abortion whether the father agrees or not if she wants to. Now there's now there's now that's where that's where once again going back to my my roots, the the act of banning things doesn't work. All you're you're not you're not removing the the thing that you claim to hate. All you're no, doing it never is making works. it. it, it you're History just making it uns- all the time. Exactly. And so the difference here is, is that if one party doesn't consent, why then should another party be able to force and, and, and enforce something that doesn't, you know, there are very, there are very few things in life where we actually make the exception. So for example, yeah, that's, pers- um, that's a perspective driven argument. Cause I'm looking at it from both perspectives going, well, yeah, why could the Democrats make me consent? And then I'm looking at the other perspective, like, why should they make me not, why are they taking my right? Why I can't, you know, like you can see that and you can, mm-hmm. you can form an argument just based on that alone. And I don't think you have to do all that. There's a mother, a father, a baby, and a discussion, and they should have any any option in that situation. Now, here's where this gets interesting, because in the legal world, we talk about remedy. What does remedy look like? So uh, this was actually a discussion that we had in the house, and and this was a really tough one. You know, for example, you know, if a mo- you know if if two people decide that they're going to have a baby, great, there's consent. If the father doesn't want the baby, but the mother does. We don't think twice about it. Right. The father can't force the mom to get an abortion. Right. The father doesn't have a violinist attached to him for nine months. So, so when you think about that, you know, here one party may not consent to having the kid, but there is no way to force that other party to not have the kid exactly uh, everything has a right to in life this but case, it doesn't have the right to the methods to sustain it in this case the remedy there there are a couple of ways that this gets remedied. number one is you know obviously you know a lot of people hear about the child support methodology which is dad's not involved but pays because well you know takes two to tango is that the other accountability the other is in 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 the legal world is you forfeit parental right and so you know while the child was quote-unquote fathered the child never has a father on on record of birth oh no don't take away my responsibility and so and so basically you know what you have is a remedy in this case where the child can be born but the responsibility doesn't have to be born now you have the inverse this is the toughest one you have some you have uh someone who fathers a child um who who you know essentially you know has what they see as a right to that child and this is where planned parenthood versus casey comes in but you have a mother who doesn't consent to that and in in technological terms there is no remedy you either have to force a person to carry the term or you remove that you remove that life and that's where this gets tough technologically speaking we're only in like the very very beginnings of artificial wombs where right. you could potentially just have mentioned that actually you could potentially have that issue of you know yeah the mother could abort the child but you know in order to do that there's a medical way in which you do this that gets implanted into an artificial womb, we don't et cetera, we et don't throw away this the mass of cells we keep it in a artificial status and, so, and the woman then denies her parental rights along with the. But well, now here's a conversation like about that. states being being able to own babies, basically. Uh, and what 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 type of citizen would they create? Would they have the same rights? It almost sounds like slavery. Uh, and kind of now, exactly. Now here's now here's where this gets difficult. Is is that what's you know what does remedy look like? 
and the answer is, is that you would have to force someone to go through, a, you know, what is a very violent procedure and very traumatic in order to sustain that. No different than, you know, people like to think that, you know, abortion is just like, you know, people are just going in and it's a walk in the park. Yeah, it's why do they think it's violent like a and fun traumatic tea party or something? That's an invasive procedure that leaves people sore and crippled for days. So this is, there is, you know, this is one of those things where it is a very, you know, there are people out there that are, are much brighter minds than I am. I can only speak to the legality of, of what I see and, and what my experience is. And I'm sure that there's a ton of legal minds out there far better than mine. The real answer is, is that, you know, in this case, there is no remedy. And even if there was a remedy, that remedy is still very violent and very intrusive and very traumatic. Well, that's why I wonder if it is a liberty that is better defended by a state, because then at least the parents or parent have the option of leaving the state they're in that doesn't protect them or agree with their choices to go to one that does. Wish they did. So now let me, let me put this now, let me put this into perspective. Let's let's remove the term abortion and and make and put the term slavery in place. By this regard, you know, yeah, slaves could have just left slave states to go to free states. Yeah, it's no different. You're establishing underground railroads to get person to a freedom that is defined in another state. I wouldn't say that's synonymous at all. Actually, I think the I think the variables comparatively are are hugely different. I mean, you're we're talking about first of all. A slave and a mother, a modern mother, this have two different levels of rights. I mean, you can what? you are a, you're an American citizen no matter which state you go to as a pregnant mother. You the difference of being a person and a slave, that is a far more dramatic difference. I so think. so I, I think it is less dramatic than you think it is. Because if you are forced to carry to term, wouldn't that constitute a form of modern day slavery? Yeah, because you're attached. No. To, you have a violinist attached to you. Your job is to produce that life and produce that life only. Nobody gives a shit about you before or after. No, it's not the same because you you have a choice. So you, the the very fact you, that you though? have that freedom to move, no. yeah, just being able to move around, I think. Is now taken, here's taken for granted. I and I disagree, and the reason I say that is because in a state like Washington, we will have we have the ability to openly access those clinics. But if that mom from Texas does that in Washington, she will be arrested and charged with murder. The moment she goes back to Texas, that's no different in my mind. If you're going to go back and the first thing that's going to happen to you is you find yourself in violation of the law and are thus going to be locked away. We did the same thing. We did the I, same I, thing for there for, would be a bo- there would be a bounty on slave owners. there would be a bounty on both right a runaway slave and a runaway mom at that point there is but then and, you, and then states you, you're, had no you're saying you're saying but the, it, without saying it directly you're saying <laughs> that the value of a slave because that is the reason why a slave is important at all is because they have economic value right Produc- well production value yeah. And right. that's why, so, and that's what they're saying about what the mother is. The mother has a productive value to have that kid in order to do whatever it is the state wishes that be done. Yeah. But that is, but that conversation is being held silently, right? There's no, there's no one admitting to that. That's right. the point. Nobody is saying so, this is slavery on a mother. No one wants, no one wants to equate a human life to them having a, uh, not a, necessarily a social score, but essentially a social score, a productive value, as you put it. And they don't want to do that because it does relate in the term in, in the example you gave to slavery. So I think that is that's a distinction that to me at least stands out pretty prominently. Um, well, I will I will agree, and I want to say that if you cross the Mason Dixon line as a slave, you become a whole person. But when you go back, you're three fifths of a person, and I think that's what Marco was debating the issue of. You know. Well, yeah. I mean, you could also bring up the point too that. Um, slaves that did escape to what they called free states, they weren't American citizens. Right. They were they were they were free slaves, which was its own its own distinction, its own category. It had its own explanation of that had its own limitations mm-hmm. and rights as well. They weren't just they couldn't just walk in and 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 have the same yep. luxuries, let's say, as as white people or people who weren't slaves. 
and then and 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 i think that you know looking at it through a historical lens the difference is 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 that if if we were having this discussion in 1865 we'd be hard pressed to find any differences because women didn't have those rights didn't matter if they were they were white black or brown the difference is is that we have we have time and we have legal rulings that have allowed the perception that in it, that all of those women now have different have those rights where what into whatever state line they cross and so that's where i say it's it's it is comparable it's not a one-to-one but trying to look at it through the eyes of 1865 it very much would have been it would have been a lot closer and applying that now it is a lot closer more it's very uncomfortable to think of it in that realm yes yeah, boy, this, this should be its own podcast. Um, this is and, 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 and here's the thing: is to think about. I'll tell you. I would, <laughs> I would, I would, I would love to have, I would love to have a black woman have this discussion with us because we know that when it comes to abortion and abortion rights, black and brown women are disproportionately affected. Well, and yeah, yeah I mean that's what matters really to me is what what not necessarily the statistics, but what is the data, what is the real life experience of people that do have to deal with these things. I mean, look, my argument is um if it isn't historical, it's philosophical. I'm a middle-aged mm-hmm. single man. Yeah, <laughs> I never, I, you know, I've never even had children myself. Right. So I can only argue for the personal liberty of someone and try to be and try to be rational about it. So mm-hmm. I agree that I think it's definitely one of those topics that maybe we as you said we've come a long way we've established a lot of laws that have introduced a lot of new freedoms which are good things but right. maybe we're close to as perfect as it can be i don't know i think the, only the future will tell us that and we'll see because i mean how many more good decisions can we come to uh when you said like the example you gave you know when you look through anything through a historical lens yes it's far more stark i mean it's black and white it's it's a you could say it's a no-brainer this is the more moral thing to do but we are no longer at that point yes it was 1865 still uh we wouldn't even be discussing the rights of women that wouldn't even i mean we laugh over a cigar maybe i don't i mean even i if i was born in that time i can't say habitually morally i'd be i would be a different if you weren't a landowner you wouldn't even be voting you know right right right. exactly so so that's that's why it's it's difficult to have these discussions and it is difficult to compare but when you look at function and you look at the way things functioned, you can see more comparisons than you want to realistically admit. Mm. Like, you, I mean, even in the news, there have been discussions about, you know, people setting, there are organizations out there setting up essentially, you know, uh, means for people to leave um, yeah. these states to make it to other states. The orgs and, that sounds yeah. way too familiar to something else historically that we already know and learn about in the history books mm. well it's it's repeated it's been done before as well it happened in the late 80s and it happened in the mid 90s in like 94 95 i want to say um i mean that was something that was like a, a fearmonger piece of news i saw recently was um bringing that back up saying basically claiming that you know uh religious conservatives are going to be attacking uh doctors to perform abortions again even without having a case to represent in any any actual mm-hmm. occurrence i think that kind of thing is is unfortunate that just cause fear in general and i don't really think we should worry about threats that aren't th- that aren't threats yet even though history does repeat itself but- for me my my realm though like where i work is risk and i have to think about this stuff all the time it's it, the idea that you don't worry about it until it happens is not something that you know at least in my line of work i get the opportunity to afford right i have to plan for what that risk is and when that pops up i need to have any number of game plans that can mitigate that response and i guarantee you all of these states now are going to be coming up with those game plans sure whether it's whether it's you know acceptance or you know means of of jailing or any number of different possibilities they've already jailed somebody for having a miscarriage in texas yep and then they also but then they also um 
the the prosecutor declined to prosecute it. Yeah, that's what we're finding out in Michigan is prosecutors right, yeah. are standing up and saying we're not going to prosecute it because the Supreme yeah. Court has no army to enforce their means. Like that thing that got leaked, they they have nobody to investigate it, but they're going to investigate it using some uh, I don't know. I don't know what they're called, but they, they're not sec- they're security. They're not investigators in the Supreme Court. They have no way to enforce their stuff. Right. But what I hear and also you leaking saying, isn't illegal. What I hear you saying about this is that much like executive orders, we've been using Supreme Court decisions to prop up the failures in our constitution. And that we need to work on after ERA, we realized we couldn't get an amendment added. Something as simple as equal rights for women couldn't get you know 37 states so we we just dropped that and we no longer thought about getting amendments for abortion rights or anything else or gun rights for that matter you know yes you have the right to possess and own bear arms but you don't have the right to own a gun because abortion isn't in the constitution and neither is the word gun you know so we have to be careful about this slippery slope that alito is forcing on us but we need to do the hard work of building a consensus to amend a, a really ancient article that we live under that people live under, but others live above. Let's say that. Yeah. I, I think that's why I disagree with you, Jeffrey, about a uh, direct democracy. I feel like maybe you, you do come to the conclusion of a d- direct democracy that's favorable when you do it at a state level, when it builds up, it evolves into something federal. I mean, isn't that essentially what we do now? Yeah, that's what we always a lot of things. We always talk about community rights, and I always believe that something should be started as simple as in an, a homeowners association and build into the local community, and then other communities mm-hmm. see that, represent that, and like you said, then suddenly it's an if it has real traction, right? Then it's a popular idea. Like green mm-hmm. energy is popular; people are fighting it, but even skill went green you know so it's mm-hmm. something that's being popularized and that's how consensus maybe we should, grows you know maybe we should worry about the things that work against the growth of uh, good things too though well i mean everything mm-hmm. naturally gets pushed back it's just if yeah. it's good for the community or not and that's for the community members to see you know <laughs> that's free speech i just yeah. i just want a representative that represents his district so i it, yeah, if, no, that, if that district is radically Republican, then by all means, be that. You know what I mean? But come to Congress rational. And you have to re, you have to interpret your community's desires. And you can't do that mm-hmm. if they're not talking to you. So, well, that's the number one thing I right. think that I run into, at least with the de- demographic of people that I'm surrounded by, is that, they, you know, they want people that stick to their guns mm-hmm. that re- if, mm-hmm. if, if they're going to represent a series of ideals and beliefs, right. they, they need to represent them and defend them when they're wrong. Uh, things can be adjusted, but to, to, just to change their mind because it gets them the support they want. That is, I mean, that is completely immoral exactly. as far as I'm concerned. That's where we lose our democracy is when, sure. when in a town yeah. hall meeting, the mayor says, I'm going to do what I want anyway, you know? And then we just, we lose a little bit and then that grows. And I, so I don't care if Matt Gates, I hate Matt Gates. That's who represents me, Matt Gates. Right. And my issue isn't that he's yelling about some stolen election. It's the fact that he hasn't gotten me any budget for new roads. He didn't vote to get me new bridges. He didn't vote to get rid of this dump smell in my state in his district. That's why I have a problem with Matt Gates is because he hasn't listened to us about what we need, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. You're lucky you have that's a fun one. You have great representation. Where are you, Marco? What state are you in? I'm in Illinois. I'm uh, not far from you guys. I'm near Chicago, a suburb of Chicago. Uh, um I, and I've lived here most of my life. Um I'm planning to move. I'm I actually favor the Southwest. No. Um <laughs> just because I like uh, out there there's more space and i feel like people bump heads a lot less oh. uh, and really you know i'm not a political person not in the sense that i would pursue it i'm, right. I'm an artist i'm a i'm a lover not a fighter me too uh, unless fair. they ever invent like you know 
professional logic wrestling because i'm pretty aggressive and competitive but other than that yeah i think that's i think that's i think that's where i, I love logic wrestling like i love someone who challenges my way of thinking mm. and i love you know i think that's 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 uh, that's definitely what you know one of the things i love about debbie is is that debbie always challenges the way that i think about yeah. things and fuck it's frustrating you know when 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 they beat me in 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 a logic game but it's also it's also fun because in the end i still get to learn something there was one night debbie and i we were going back and forth with each other trying to paint each other into a logical corner to where the other couldn't escape we were getting really heated and really <laughs> animated and our oldest came down crying because you know you were fighting. they thought we were fighting yeah. and and that we were going to end up getting divorced meanwhile the two of us were having fun's like i got you this time motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> my mom used to debate me on stupid things and then when i wouldn't win the argument she would take my side and start arguing like she took the winning side and would left me with the losing side and then i would have to debate to debate that till i won that side before i could leave the house Oh, I did it very often with my father because yeah. I would, I would argue, 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 argue until he became aggressive. And then I would just completely agree hundred percent and right. I would just paint how ridiculous his point of view was. Unfortunately, <laughs> it shuts people up when you do that. So yeah, you know, I'm not sure if you get to him or not, if it made any sense to him, but yeah, they never did this logic wrestling, this logic. It will win you a debate. I'll give you that. Yeah. But it oh, won't win you yeah. friends, will it? <laughs> <laughs> it might. Yeah. It might. Yeah. I like, I, mean, I like it, being the stupidest person in the room. It's a a lot less responsibility to learn than it is to teach you know oh i mean with, with the way this world is uh bring me back as beautiful and stupid please yeah. i'll sign up for that <laughs> i like that so uh let me ask you guys i'm going to start with you jeffrey do you have any just the tips this week take a mental health day mm. if you need it like seriously you know this is one of those things where i think it's really important you know, we, we get used to the go, 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 go. And we oftentimes think, oh, I'll deal with it after work. I'll, I'll deal with it after I make dinner. I'll deal with it after I get the kids to bed. Uh, I'll deal with it in, you know, tomorrow. And if you don't take, if, if you have something that absolutely you need to take time for, take that mental health day, because otherwise you're not going to have the time or the space to actually, uh, work through those things and it's something i'm i'm trying to learn how to do myself how about you marco you got any just Good advice for us um well i'll give you some of my grandmother's ancient wisdom i love grandmother's ancient she wisdom. said um if you want to be a good person you have to do a good deed every day no matter how small it is so try doing that I love that. I'm going to say eat Fantastic. some chicken or eat some eggs and then go and listen to Audio Pong, the podcast you can find on Spotify and Apple and anywhere else you find your favorite podcast. And now you can find Marco here on Public Access America. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I hope we can do this again. I look forward to the next one. Definitely. Absolutely. We're going to bring in different perspectives and have these conversations all over again. That's what I love doing. It's fantastic. To those who would tear the world down, we will defeat you. This is our moment. This is our time. To those who seek peace and security, we support you. Yes, we can. And to all those who have wondered if America's beacon still burns as bright, tonight we prove once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth, but from the enduring power of our ideals, democracy, liberty, opportunity, and a yielding hope. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbow. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, you nobody, is gonna hit as hard as life. Ask not. Yes, we can. What your country can do for you. I have a dream. Ask what you can do for your country. My poor little children. Yes, we can. One day live in a nation where they will by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. It's In this depression. lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Welcome, welcome to Public, to public Access, Access America. America. Yes, we can. 
Sunday live stream Sunday time, live YouTube. Stream time. I wanted to run out of that tunnel for my dad. On Twitter, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Stitcher Radio, Smart Radio, Radio Public, and Spotify. Spotify. Yes, we can. Public Access America. History in the making. Making history in the making.